Behind the Scenes 31. Transmitters? We don't need no stinking transmitters. This is Behind the Scenes, an inside look at what it takes to put together a podcast and make it work. Check it out. Check it out. Hey, this is Craig Patchett, and this is Behind the Scenes number 31, the first of three shows that will feature interviews from the Podcast Expo. Now, as I mentioned in my last show, I'm not going to cover uh, what went on at the Expo per se, since I think that by now everybody else has pretty much got that covered. Instead, I'm going to focus on uh, the opportunity that the Expo presented to meet and talk with a variety of podcasters about podcasting itself. And so these three shows are going to feature interviews with different podcasters about the history of podcasting, about uh, different tips for podcasting, and also on the transition from audio to video. Well, maybe not so much a transition as the inclusion of video. I'm going to start out with uh, interviews that are sort of going to touch more on the philosophy of podcasting and what that means will become more apparent once I get into the interviews. But first I wanted to just point out that I'm recording right now using the Zoom H4 field recorder and the built-in mics testing that out and I'll be featuring a full review of that as soon as I get these interviews wrapped up. So I'm going to start out with an interview with Dave Slesher from Evil Genius Chronicles. Dave has been around podcasting almost since the beginning. Right? I think actually pretty much from the beginning. And I would consider Dave to be an independent voice in podcasting. And he has maintained his independence uh, over the last two years, is fiercely proud of that independence. And so I wanted to talk to him about how podcasting has evolved over the last two years and what the things are that give him hope in the future of podcasting as well as the things that cause him concern. So we'll start out by hearing what Dave has to say about the things that give him hope. That's kind of complicated because I hold a lot of views about this simultaneously that may not actually even be compatible. They may be self-contradictory. One of the things that makes me the happiest is the things that have not changed. There's a still a fiercely kind of independent, a fiercely DIY, creating for the pleasure of it spirit that drives a lot of citizen media. I have feared from very early, um, kind of when money players began to come on board, that there would be a kind of cynicism that would settle over the medium. I, I refer to the gold rush mentality a lot, to the point where I've made it my own cliche now. I'm worried that that would take over and that people would feel not comfortable kind of creating a personal, individualized show for anything. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, I'm so delighted when I see people creating shows for interests I have no care about. The prototypical one lately is like the knitting shows. There's at least a dozen knitting podcasts. I don't care about any of them. I've actually listened to all of them. I don't care about any of them, but I am so delighted that they all exist and I'm delighted they have fans. I mean, that to me is what makes me so happy, is that even though the medium is supporting the big players, so Sci-Fi Channel does Battlestar Galactica, and, you know, Garrick Van Buren does First Crack and has 30 subscribers and is happy, or 100 subscribers and is happy, those things live side by side in an aggregator. And I subscribe to, you know, some of the giantest of media and some of the smallest of media. 
with double digit or single digit subscriberships and I love both of them. And the fact that those can coexist makes me so happy. Okay, what about the things that give you concern? Well, I sort of kind of touched on that. I'm concerned about cynicism. I'm concerned about the people who are here because they smell money in the air, who don't actually care about the medium. And there's a certain class of people, and you know, you live long enough, you see them. Uh, people who run infomercials tend to be people who don't really care about the product, but they care about the selling of something. And anything that appears to have uh, revenue potential attracts a certain percentage of those kinds of people who are looking, who are looking for a get-rich widget to sell, and they think this is it. And so I worry that this will be that widget to some of those people. And I've worried that because of the presence of that, that would choke out the ecology. I, you know, I love the kind of bottom-up grassroots anarchism of you know the panoply of voices. Even when they're confusing and they drown each other out, I love that they're all there. And so I worry that that will choke that out and make that less likely to be healthy and vibrant. Uh, I've come to kind of the conclusion I don't think that's possible. So I think the ecology is too strong to be choked out by anything like that. And I think it's only getting stronger. And I think even when you're kind of asking me specifically about what I'm uh, dreading, I think I can't help but feel hope. Well, that's a good note to end on. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Uh, by the way, just like to say that my Marantz is bigger than his Marantz. But my mic is bigger than yours. Uh, very, very true. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Right, thank you. Next up are Charlie and Carol Warady from Israelisms. Now, Charlie and Carol traveled all the way from uh, j just outside of Jerusalem for the expo. And so they have a unique perspective on what podcasting outside the U.S. is like. So my conversation with them focused on the challenges of podcasting from another country. Does podcasting cross geographical boundaries? Can you podcast from anywhere in the world as easily as you can from anywhere in the U.S.? I think the main challenge is people knowing about podcasting. To talk for Carol for a second, which I always do. <laughs> Yeah. She talks to friends of hers and mentions podcasting. And I mean, people look at her like a dog in front of a fan. So what I've noticed just being here, I mean, obviously within the expo, everybody knows about podcasting. But even outside the expo, I think there's more of an awareness. And it's going to take a while until it gets to Israel and other places like that. So I think that's the main difference, right? But we have listeners in, in, we have a listener in Bahrain, we have a listener in Singapore. So there is some international, um, I don't know what you would call it. Awareness. Awareness of podcasting. And I think that's one of the coolest things about podcasting is from Israel through podcasting, we've met some really interesting people that we never would have crossed paths any other way. You bring up an interesting point in that regardless of where the content is created, it can be consumed anywhere because of the nature of the distribution method, right? So yes, if you're creating content that's specific to your country, if it's in a certain language or if it's only going to be of local interest, that does become an issue. But in your case where your show is certainly of interest to anyone who wants to tune in, that isn't going to be an issue. No, you know, we do the show in English, obviously, and I think we have a, a split in our listeners. I would say maybe 50% are not Jewish. So that's also really cool as far as we're concerned because that means that we're reaching a lot of different people. And I think the main thing our show does is put a human face on a country that's in the news all the time. 
That's why we did the show to begin with. We weren't hitting a niche market in Israel because everybody knows how life is in Israel. In Israel. <laughs> what we wanted to do, like what Carol just said, is we wanted to show people that it's not what you read in the paper or definitely not what you see on CNN. And that Israel is just a fun place to be. <laughs> a lot of the time, if not all of the time, yeah. but... Uh... Yeah. Oh, listen, you know, you got to have a sense of humor. And I think that's our main purpose. And from the response that we've gotten, that's really what people are getting out of Israelism. Well, great. That's good to hear. And I'm glad to see you here. And uh, I've been a big fan of the show for a long time, as you know. Yeah, we've been friends for a long time, thanks to podcasting. That's true. And that's another great thing about podcasting that this show has demonstrated is it crosses cultural, geographical, language to some degree, all kinds of boundaries. And I think that is a tremendous appeal both to content creators and to listeners. Yeah, it's just been wonderful. I mean, just coming here, you meet people that you already know. And that's outstanding. It really is. And we have a lot of fun doing it. Great. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, Craig. Thanks a lot. And finally for tonight's show, I had the opportunity to speak with Father Roderick from Catholic Insider and various other shows. Father Roderick has also been around podcasting for quite some time and is also dealing with boundaries, crossing boundaries through podcasting. In his case, not only geographic, but also religious and to some degree political. So again, my focus in my interview with him was to find out what he thought of podcasting's ability to cross those boundaries. Well, that's one of the things that I always wanted to accomplish while podcasting. I didn't want to podcast just for Catholics, but I wanted to do something that would be interesting for almost anyone, interesting to listen to, entertaining, and inspiring. So to give like an extra dimension to it, so one of the things that I did in my shows was to kind of hook into popular culture, like movies and TV series and even video games, and at the same time adding also segments with more inspirational things. But I didn't want to be preachy or, or trying to convert people. That's up to them to make a choice. But I just wanted to show the people how much cool things there are in the world around us and, you know, that I'm just enjoying that and that there's sometimes in movies you have religious themes that people might not perceive, well, I can show them how to enjoy the movie even more while knowing that. So that's the kind of crossover that I'm constantly striving for. And based on the reactions, I think that really works. Now, I've heard you say a couple of times here at the show that you're surprised at the number of listeners and especially the number of listeners that aren't Catholics. What has your experience been so far here at the Expo? Well, I think that the majority of people that I encounter here are not Catholics at all, but they still listen and they are extremely positive about it. It's like <laughs> they behave as if they know me for years, whereas, of course, for me, everybody's new. But there's a, a, an immediate connection, and I think it's due to the fact that I started off podcasting with these sound-seeing tours and just taking people to other places so that in the theater of their minds they could just travel with me and I was like a travel companion to them. So we have like an experience in common, even though they were not with me in Rome or in other cities of the world. But we can still talk about that content, so we have something in common. And that surprised me the most. And sometimes just people that you would absolutely not, I don't know, you, you, you wouldn't say that some people were listening to a Catholic priest, and yet they are. So that's, that's just stunning to me. In your experience in the past with media, because I know that you have a media production background, have you seen this kind of opportunity to 
reach this wide a number of people for such a low production cost and low amount of effort before? No, absolutely not. When I was in radio production, I studied that in Rome, near the Vatican. I thought that I could never use radio because if you have radio, you need to buy an FM frequency, you need to have tons of money. And even if you have one, you only reach a certain demographic and it's very limited to a certain region. And when podcasting came along, I immediately sensed that you could reach a worldwide audience. But what I didn't know at the time was that podcasting would also have this dimension of a worldwide community. There's so much interaction between the audience and and the podcaster and that baffled me and it's when I encounter people here and who listen to my show there's almost like a family reunion type of atmosphere and it shows that podcasting is a much more powerful medium than radio ever could be because it's so personal and you're like inside someone's head and you're like a friend or a companion throughout the day which is something radically new. And I think also, for me, podcasting is exactly that. And if we forget that, by trying to be too professional in a way, or being the radio guys, you know, you're listening to Catholic radio. That, it's not going to work. It's not, it's not going to create that same personal feeling. And that's what podcasting brings to the, to the world right now. And I think it's a huge opportunity, also for religious-based podcasters like I am, to reach out and to kind of help build this worldwide community. Yeah, I think you put that very well. I coined a phrase early on, instimacy. It gives you an instant sense of intimacy with the person who's doing the podcast that I have, certainly haven't experienced in any other form of media. And I think it's a great opportunity that I hope podcasters continue to take advantage of. I totally concur. That's what makes this also this podcast expo so special. You walk around, you greet people, and it's family. You have something in common. And if you go to a, a Mac Expo or a PC exhibition, you don't have that same kind of family feeling, friendship that's going on. There's a lot of camaraderie here, and it's because of the medium. It does that. It brings people together on a very personal level, creates friendships, and that just blows me away. And in a way, podcasting could be a revolution also for the way in which we interact and in, in which we communicate. So I'm just so happy to be in this time of history you know to be part of this and to witness how this is developing and i hope it will stay like that i hope so too well thanks a lot for taking the time to talk with me thank you and that wraps it up for this edition of behind the scenes once again i'd like to thank dave slusher charlie and carol wardy and father roderick for taking the time to talk with me for this show and I will post links to each of their sites on the behind-the-scenes homepage at btscast.com. Next week, we'll feature interviews with Brian Ibbett, Jason Van Orden, Paul Figiani, and Rob Trenchany. And the following week with Joanne Colan, Kip Epps, Callie Lewis, and Brian Clark. If you have any questions or feedback for the show, please feel free to contact me at craig at godcast.org, visit the show's website at btscast.com, or leave a voicemail message at 815-301-8600. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless. <music>